0: Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this April 2011 episode, we're going to be observing the 150th anniversary of the start of the Civil War. First off, we're going to check in with Jamie Royce, who is guest blogging on the Genealogy Insider blog, who has some exciting news about a Civil War sweepstakes to tell us about. Then in our top tip segment, I'm going to be talking with Civil War expert, Michael Varjola. He's author of the book Life in Civil War America. Michael will give us some tips on Civil War research and some of the context of our ancestors' lives at that time. In our 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, we're going to look at one of the premier Civil War websites. It's the National Park Service's Civil War Soldiers and Sailors System with Mike Litterst. He is the National Communications Coordinator for the National Park Service's Civil War 150th Anniversary Commemoration. Then our own in-house preservationist, Grace Dobush will be here again with another installment of Safekeeping. And in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, genealogy instructor Diana Christman smith will share some research tips from her U.S. military records class. And finally, we're going to check in at the editor's desk with Allison Stacey, editor and publisher of Family Tree Magazine, who has some additional resources for your Civil War research. There is a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the genealogy news with Jamie Royce. We're going to kick off this episode with news from the blogosphere. And here to give us the scoop is Jamie Royce, sitting in for the genealogy insider blogger Diane Haddad. Hi, Jamie. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. As you know, our theme for this episode is the Civil War and, of course, the 150th anniversary of that historic conflict. Um, You've been doing a bit of blogging, and there's some kind of exciting things going on over at Family Tree. Tell us, what have you got going on in conjunction with this anniversary?
1: Well, you know, we are partying like it's 1861 over here. We did our May issue was all about the Civil War. We're actually having a contest throughout April. um, And every week from Facebook posts and posts on the Genealogy Insider blog, we're going to... um, just pick the ones that are about the Civil War. We're going to go through those, pick one each week, and they're going to win a copy of Family Trees uh, Magazine's new book, Life in Civil War America, by Michael Varhallo. So that's very exciting. It's a brand-new book. We just uh, did a webinar on it about the book and the um, Life in Civil War
0: America. So right. we're
1: really excited to give this book away and for to just kind of interact with our um, our readers about the Civil War online.
0: Well, and Michael's fantastic. And he is here on this episode today. So you guys are all going to be hearing from Michael in just a few minutes. Tell us again, for those listening, how can they enter the sweepstakes?
1: Um, they can enter by uh, becoming a fan of Family Tree magazine on Facebook, and then posting something about the Civil War or a Civil War ancestor, or the Life in Civil War America book or webinar and you can also post on any posts about Life in Civil War America on the Genealogy Insider blog and also enter that way
0: so you can put a comment on there yeah. for one of the blog posts yeah, okay great comment. and then to be a fan we're going to have a link to the fan page in the show notes or if you go into Facebook if you have a free account there you can do a search on um, now what's the title of your fan page? Family
1: Tree Magazine
0: Just Family Tree Magazine. Okay, great. And then they can post their Civil War uh, comments there. Oh, easy enough. Okay. And we are going to be talking with Diana Chrisman here later in the podcast about her upcoming military class at Family Tree University. But there's a new one coming up again with that Civil War theme. Tell us about that.
1: Well, we do have um, the Civil War class coming up. And um, for more information on that, you, of course, can go to FamilyTreeUniversity.com. But we are really excited to mark the Civil War with our new class. Our classes are interactive, um, four-week courses that you have an expert teacher who is an expert in whatever the class is about, who has a curriculum and you have reading and um, exercises and that kind of stuff you have to complete. And I I know it seems like you're going back to school or whatever, but it's really interesting. If you are really interested in genealogy and you want to know more about that subject area, then we have a great class for you for someone to help you with that and like to answer your questions and be with you and walk you along the way for those four weeks for whatever you need.
0: Exactly. I teach a couple of different um, Family Tree University classes, and um, I know that Diana is going to be doing this Civil War one. And it's really neat because we can interact as instructor and student and answer those questions every step along the way. Jamie posted about this. It's uh, on the Genealogy Insider blog, Family Tree University Civil War Research Course. So for more information, I'll have a link for you in the show notes about that. And, of course, finally, a couple of other cool things going on here lately One, you had a really fun April Fool's cover I saw on the Genealogy Insider blog, Uh, the dead people issue, and the swimsuit issue. So you guys have to check that out. I'll have a link for that. And of course, tell us the big news about what's coming up here shortly.
2: Well, uh,
1: Diane is going to be returning to Family Tree, um, and she's going to be back very soon. And um, we're hoping to welcome her back. And she added to her very own Family Tree. So that's why she's been gone. But we're really happy for her to come back
0: exactly baby leo has joined her family and created the next generation so probably by the time you're listening to this episode right around mid-month diane will be back in the saddle and you'll probably be seeing her also on the genealogy insider blog so oh it's been so much fun though talking with you jamie and seeing your posts you have just been a prolific blogger and that is really fun to see thank you so much for being here on the podcast oh thank you Well, 2011 brings us to the 150th anniversary of the Civil War. And to talk more about what life was like at that time for our ancestors is Michael Varhola, author of Life in Civil War America. Welcome to the podcast, Michael.
3: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm glad to have you here, too, because this is such a timely topic. And I'm really interested before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the book. Tell us about your research process. What does it take and what kind of research do you do to put a comprehensive book like this together?
3: Well, you know, this book is, in a sense, the second edition of a book called Everyday Life During the Civil War that was released by the same publisher in 1999. So a lot of the research that I did for the volume that we're talking about right now, Life in Civil War America, was actually done 12 years ago. Uh, and I ended up putting uh, about a year of dedicated research into the book. Uh, back in the uh, mid to late '90s, I was running a magazine I founded and uh, helped run a magazine called Living History. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we covered was Civil War oriented. So between uh, you know being a history minor in college, uh, having always been interested in U.S. and world history, uh, having run the magazine. Uh, I had a good background on the Civil War and the way people lived anyway. And then on top of that, I ended up putting a a dedicated year of research into pulling uh, the book together. And the kinds of sources I used were just very, very broad. Uh, Everything from secondary sources on the war in general that just helped uh, firm up my background uh, about certain things. Uh, Right down to catalogs of 19th century goods and services. Diaries, uh, recipe books, uh, so a lot of primary sources, uh, the diaries and journals that people kept during the war where they talked about the kinds of foods they were eating or not eating because of shortages or what it was costing them to buy things uh, at the market or how they were acquiring uh, uh, their food or their clothing or just living on a day-to-day basis. So uh, a real broad variety of sources, but I have to say that the most interesting and probably the most valuable for purposes of this book were um, even some of the more obscure primary sources like diaries and journals and um, uh, contemporary catalogs.
0: Oh, I agree. Those are always so fascinating to read. And, and I'm sure people at the time thought, oh, this is everyday stuff. But of course, to us, it's, it's riveting. And it's really the fabric of their lives. And, um, you know, you've got chapters on all aspects of life during the Civil War, including food and entertainment and religion and so on. And one of the chapters that caught my eye was uh, chapter four, where you talk about people and events shaped by language. Tell us what you mean by that.
3: Well, America has always been a nation of people from many different ethnic origins. Uh, America, more so than, than most countries, uh, uh, that, that's true of. So, you know, for example, if we were go to to go to Germany, most of the people we would encounter in German Germany would be of German descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean that that's sort of a truism, but but you know that's that's the way it is. But here in America, we have people of German descent of English descent, of Native American descent, uh, of Irish descent, and all of these people brought their own, their own cultures, their own mores, their own ideas, beliefs, in some cases their own religions, uh, their own cultures, and all these aspects of their cultures were expressed in their language. And because all of these people in this melting pot of America were dealing with each other, sometimes not (laughs) happily, not willingly, uh, but because all these people were were dealing with each other, uh, when we talk about the melting pot that's America, uh, to a large extent, we're talking about a melting pot of language. Uh, So the the English that we speak today. Uh, the English that we began speaking the day that we won the American Revolution and threw the British out, uh, is a distinct of uh, American English. You know, uh, I remember kids used to get made fun of, uh, when, when I was young if they said they spoke American. Well, no, yeah. you don't speak American, you speak English. But you know, in point of fact, the kids weren't wrong. Yeah. They speak American. Uh, we, we, interestingly, today, the English language we speak is more like the English they speak in England. The way the the people of the two respective cultures speak today is more similar than it has been at any time since the American Revolution. Because for the first 200 years after the Revolution, the language diverged. But now with things like the Internet and uh, high-speed telecommunications uh... we interact with people in england a lot more uh... we have much more of a uh, uh... world culture and now the language has started to to converge again uh... and become much more similar was a composite of german and irish uh... and spanish And uh, words that were uh, picked up from uh, black slaves and black freemen, uh, many of whom had uh, uh, terms that had come down from uh, uh, African languages. So, um, America speaking a language during the Civil War that was distinctly uh, American uh, and very unlike anything anyone was speaking anywhere else in the world.
0: Oh, that's a great point. And I imagine, you know, as you're doing research at that time frame, Just the nature of the words you're running across is giving you clues and and ideas about the type of person that you're reading about. Um, And also talking about words. You know, I was a bit surprised by some of the various names that the Civil War was called at that time in history. You know, we refer to it as the Civil War, but you mentioned in the book that it might be referred to as the Revolution or the Second War for Independence or the War of Succession. What else might surprise us about life or words? during the Civil War, um, things that maybe we just don't hear about anymore?
3: Uh, Well, you know, these various terms, including the ones that uh, that you just threw out, uh, really point to people's respective attitudes uh, about the wars. So people in the North were not calling the Civil War, uh, the Second American Revolution, people in the South who believed that they were fighting for their independence from a tyrannical government. Uh, We're calling it the Second American Revolution. So not only were there, I think I've got in in my book something like 50 different terms for uh, the Civil War, but these terms were were generally used either on one side of, uh, of, of the border or the other.
0: Yeah, so it really gave you a sense of where that person was living at that time.
3: Yeah, exactly so.
0: Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to know, you know, you have done so much research on the Civil War, and many people listening may have had ancestors who served, or they may be members of families in larger clusters where various relatives served and might have mentioned their ancestors in those records. Do you have any special tips for people who would like to do more research on the Civil War era?
3: Well, I've, I've got a, a couple of tips. Uh, one is buy my book because I've got an entire appendix on resources that people can use. Uh, to learn more uh, about their ancestry and what their ancestors might have done during the war. But beyond that, uh, some of the resources I list uh, include, for example, the National Archives. Uh, I think a lot of people who want to research out the role that their relatives played, their ancestors played in the Civil War, uh, find that the National Archives records are invaluable. So that would be uh, a good place to start for anyone who's interested. Start with the federal government's uh, National Archive records.
0: Mm-hmm that's a great point that's the place to go and and as Michael says there's a very comprehensive list of resources in the back of the book um, and the book is available through shop family tree so I will have links that will take you directly to the listings for the various um, resources there at shop family tree and Michael thank you so much for joining us and just giving us a taste of such a fascinating time in history and one that uh, almost every American family seems to have some type of a connection to thank you so much for join us here on the show.
3: Oh, you're quite welcome. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. And uh, I'm always on board with talking about this because it's a subject I just feel really passionately about.
0: Thank you. In today's 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Family History segment, we're going to explore the Civil War Soldiers and Sailors System website. It's a terrific resource for learning more about our Civil War ancestors. Joining me today is Mike Litterist, National Communications Coordinator for the National Park Service's Civil War 150th Anniversary Commemoration. In his 25 years with the National Park Service, Mike has been at a variety of Civil War sites in the Mid-Atlantic region, including the battlefields at Gettysburg, Richmond, Fredericksburg, and Manassas. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, Lisa. You know, with the 150th anniversary of the Civil War, you know, quickly coming upon us, I imagine the website is more popular than ever. Um, Can you give us kind of an overview of the kinds of resources that we could find there?
4: Sure. The uh, Civil War Soldiers and Sailors System was a um, multi-year project Uh, from start to finish. was over a decade to to complete, but now contains uh, basic information about 6.3 million men who fought uh, in the Civil War, North and South. Uh, Folks can jump on there. You can do a search by name, by regiment. Whatever basic information you have, you can plug it into the site um, and then get a listing of, of soldiers that, that match that, that criteria. Um, so, so from a genealogical standpoint, that's the major thing that, that, that we find people using it for. You know, did my great-great-grandfather fight in the Civil War? Or I know my great-great-grandfather fought in the war, but all I know is his name and what state he was from. Uh, the Civil War Soldiers and Sailors System can fill in the, the information that you're missing, uh, give you a regiment number, give you whether it was infantry or, or cavalry, um, and give you the basic tools that you'll need to go about uh, doing some more research on that on that ancestor. Uh, in addition to the, the Soldiers and Sailors System, um, the site has additional information on, for example, uh, brief regimental histories. So if you get on and you find that your ancestor was in the 20th Massachusetts Infantry, you can then go click on and, and get a, a short synopsis of what that regiment did during the war. Um, there are listings uh, and synopsises of the major battles that were fought in the war. Um, and the site continues to grow. For example, we're slowly adding cemetery information uh, uh, as the site goes on. So it's just a, a wealth of information folks who are just starting out and want to find the basics about what their ancestor might have done or where he might have been during the Civil War.
0: You bet. Not only can we see names of of some of these soldiers, but I really like the fact that you include the context, you include the battles and the background, so we really get a sense of uh, what they were involved in. Now, I noticed there is a researcher's toolbox link. Tell us about that. Are there some helps there for the family historian?
4: Sure. The researcher's toolbox lets folks know where they might want to go next. Uh, For as valuable as a a research tool as the the system is, it really only gives you the very basics of uh, of a soldier's uh, service record. What you'll get out of of your search on the the website is the soldier's name, what state he was from, what regiment he was in, and whether he he was Union Confederate. And, of course, a lot of folks then uh, want the next step. Well, you know, when did he sign up and what battles might he have fought in? When was he discharged? Did he survive the war? Those sorts of things. And the the, the, the researcher's toolbox gives links and information for how to take those next steps. Uh, for example, how to um, get a, a soldier's service records to the National Archives. Um, the, the, the service records are a wonderful resource that really bores down deep into a a soldier's uh, war record. Anytime something happened that he was paid, that he was issued clothing, that he was disciplined, that he was wounded or in the hospital, all of those records are in the National Archives, not available on the, uh, the Civil War Soldiers and Sailors System, but what we do in the researchers' Toolbox is tell you where to go get those.
0: Boy, and that's really the key, isn't it? <laughs> it's not only figuring out what might be available, but then the next step on, on how to get a hold of it. Now, you mentioned that the site is growing. Um, what can we look forward to in the future? What kind of new collections are you adding?
4: Well, we certainly, uh, as I mentioned, um, we, we're hoping to get information on cemeteries uh, up there. Uh, right now, we just have information for the Poplar Grove National Cemetery, which is outside of Petersburg. Uh, The National Park Service manages a total of 14 national cemeteries, uh, 13 of which are related to the Civil War, so ideally we'd certainly like to to get some of that information uh, up on this system. Um, And uh, down the road, long ways down the road, maybe even some some more of that uh, that basic information uh, from a service record beyond just the name uh, and the regiment that that a soldier fought with.
0: But How might we keep in touch with what's new? Do you guys have a blog, or what's the best way to kind of find out what the, the new information is?
4: A couple of places. Uh, certainly just periodically checking the, uh, checking the website to, to see what additions uh, have been made. Um, and the main National Park Service website, uh, www.nps.gov, uh, when we issue press releases, uh, they're posted there. And that's a good place to, to find out about news, not only for this system, but other things. Uh, and we've just launched our new Civil uh, War 150th Anniversary website. Uh, that's at nps.gov slash Civil War 150. Um, and on that main page, there is a link directly to the Civil War Soldiers and Sailor System.
0: Terrific. And then it looks like the direct address. Do I have this right? It's itd.nps.gov slash cwss to get to the main says okay that'll take us right to the civil
4: uh, you can go there directly or you can get through get get to it from from several other sites on the park service website
0: from the hundred fiftieth as well well i imagine this anniversary is keeping you quite busy we're very happy that you could take a few moments out to speak with us today on the show and thank you so much for giving us kind of a virtual tour of a terrific civil war resource thanks
4: mike my pleasure and we're glad to have this resource available for folks that are that are interested in their in their ancestors and their genealogy.
0: With so many military conflicts throughout America's history, it's likely that some of your ancestors were involved. Well, Diana Christman Smith's Family Tree University class called U.S. Military Records. Trace Your ancestors Service can help you find those records that can hold a wealth of information. And Diana is here with me on the show today. Welcome to the podcast, Diana.
2: Thank you, Lisa. Nice to be with you.
0: Well, great to have you here. You know, I, I think about military records and, and some folks do shy away from them because they're just not sure where to start. Can you give us an overview of what you cover in your class and how the class will kind of empower us to find those fascinating records?
2: Sure. That's one of the things that, that I wanted to do when I started with this course. My family, I knew that some of my immediate family had been in the military my grandfathers, my father, my father in law, um, my uncles had all been military, and then nobody in my ancestry had served in the military. So I started researching a little bit more to find out who had served in the military. And I wanted to help other people figure out how to do that research. So we're gonna start out in this course with an overview of the military, starting with what is the structure of the military, um, how it has the military in the US, we're gonna do just military records, for the U.S., we're not going to deal with the whole world. Right. Um, how, ha- how is the military structured? Uh, what kind of records are out there? What are the uh, conflicts that the U.S. has been involved in? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about ranks in the military, the various branches of the military. And then we're going to talk about what conflicts the U.S. has been involved in, what records exist for the various conflicts, how to access these records. We're going to deal with uh, specifically the records that exist at the National Archives and how to get to those records. We're also going to talk about other records that exist in other places, where you can get to records online. Um, There are a few places that have digitized military records, so we're going to talk about how to get to those records. And then we're going to do the fun part, part that I like, which is looking at samples of military records, what records there are for the various conflicts, what they look like, and how to interpret them. That's my favorite part of the course.
0: Oh, that sounds fascinating. Service
2: records, we have military pension records, and we have bounty land records. So those are the three basic types of records, but there are some other things that we'll get into. And we talk about the pension records um, by war, the um, service records by war, and boundary land records. And then we'll give you some tips and tricks to succeed in using these various records. Kind of an overview of how the course is laid out. It's a four-week course, and each week we'll kind of have a different focus on this. Each lesson has examples and samples of what you're looking at It has some extra reading, some links to other sites that you can go to to get more information because I can never cover everything about the military in one lesson. And then an exercise at the end to help you make sure that you've captured the basic information.
0: Right. It's very comprehensive, and it's interesting because there there were so many different conflicts. Um, We think of some of the major wars, but you do talk about, you know, a wide range of, of wars that we don't as commonly look at. What's some of your tips that you teach in the class in terms how particularly for a beginner, how they should approach their research?
2: Now, I discovered when I started looking at, at military records, I started looking at these records and I thought, why do they focus on all these invalid pension records? And then I realized it's not invalid pension records, it's invalid pension records. (laughs) (laughs) So notice that it's invalid pension records, not invalid. (laughs) Um, Also, when we look at bounty lands, there were bounty lands given for many of the wars. In other words, the government after a war doesn't have a lot of money, but they want to reward the soldiers for their service, so they would give them vouchers, to claim lands in return for their service. That's a great way to find out where the soldiers might have gone, because a lot of times those soldiers just kind of disappeared from where they were after a war. They claimed bounty land and moved west, because that's where the land was. So bounty land was a great incentive for the soldiers, and the bounty land program was a good way of tracking soldiers. However, uh, there was no bounty land given for the Civil War. What they did instead was they gave them credit for time served in the Civil War toward Homestead Act.
3: Mm -hmm. So
2: that's one of the things that you can look at. Did your Civil War soldier apply for Homestead land and use his time served in the Civil War to decrease the amount of time he had to serve on land to homestead it. Don't just look for your ancestor serving in the Civil War or any other war. Look for their brothers or other relatives, because there may be mention of your relative in the pension file. For example, my Mm great-great-grandfather didn't serve in the Civil War. But all the information that I got about him was from his brother's pension files. He had three brothers who served and two first cousins. He was mentioned in three of those files. And that's how I got my basic information about him, was through their pension files. Because he did affidavits in their files. So don't restrict your search to just your direct ancestors. Look for other relatives as well.
0: Well, that's a great tip because many of us do look at our um, you know, various grandfathers down the line and we think, oh, well, we don't see that military service. But if we look in terms of the clusters of the family, they may very well be mentioned in military records. So it sounds like military records apply to many more of us than we may even realize.
2: Right. And also his brothers mentioned their father in their files. So that's my third great-grandfather was mentioned in the files of my second great-grandfather's brothers. So I got another generation by going to his brother's files.
0: Oh, that's exciting.
2: So don't forget to look at those, those siblings who may have served not just your ancestors.
0: Exactly. Well, you've heard it, you know, Diana is talking about that. uh, We're not only looking at our direct ancestors, but we're looking at the families and how military records could help so many of us with the kind of research that we're doing on our families. If you're interested in the US military records, trace your ancestor service class, it is fantastic. And it is absolutely packed with all the information you're going to need. Now, the next one coming up runs for four weeks, and you can learn more about it and register at FamilyTreeUniversity.com, and we'll also have a link that goes directly to signing up for Diana's class in the show notes. Diana, thank you so much. They're a fascinating collection, and we're looking forward to learning more about it. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Thank you, Lisa, and I look forward to having some of your listeners joining me.
5: Hi everybody, this is Grace, the preservation expert at Family Tree Magazine. Military uniforms are made tough and see a lot of action, which often leaves them worse for wear. But preserving your ancestors' dress blues or camo greens doesn't have to be a battle. I'll tell you how to save the uniforms for future generations to honor in this edition of Safekeeping. It is rare to find Civil War garments, and uniforms worn in battle usually didn't make it home with the soldier, but you may well have a jacket or uniform from World War I, World War II, or Vietnam among your family's heirlooms. The most important thing is to protect your heirloom textiles against sunlight, moisture, and insects. Don't keep the clothes in the attic or basement. The temperature extremes and risk of water damage are too dangerous. It's best not to attempt to clean vintage duds yourself. Find a dry cleaner who specializes in antique clothing, or consult a conservator. If the uniform is more modern, clean it according to its care instructions, and then store it as carefully as you would a vintage one. It's okay to keep the suit in a closet on a padded hanger for the short term. You can pad a hanger with polyester batting and wrap it in unbleached, washed muslin but for the long term, you'll want to store the uniform horizontally. Flat garment boxes are available from archival suppliers. Never store heirloom textiles in plastic bags or boxes. You should wrap individual pieces in acid-free tissue paper and pad the folds to prevent creasing. Store hats, gloves, and shoes in separate boxes with acid-free tissue padding to help the items keep their shape. Check out our podcast show notes page for links to more preservation resources and articles. And make sure you read the May 2011 Family Archivist column in Family Tree magazine. Until next time, stay safe.
0: Well, it's time once again to wrap up this episode by checking in at the editor's desk with Allison Stacey. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Well, as you know, our theme for this episode has of course been the upcoming 150th anniversary of the Civil War. And tell us, I know you have put a very special kit together as far as resources. What have you got?
6: Well, with so much interest in the Civil War, we knew that that was the natural subject of um, resources that people would be looking for. So for the month of April only, we have an Ultimate Civil War Anniversary Collection. And one of the featured items in that collection is Life in Civil War America, um, the new book from Michael Varhola, which you spoke with him earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. So um, overall, it has... $200 worth of resources for only seventy nine ninety nine. So it's a really good steal, several books, a webinar, an independent study course, lots of stuff to research your Civil War ancestors at a really low price.
0: Wow, that's terrific. And we'll have a link to the kit, uh, which again, is only available through April 2011. We'll have that in the show notes. And Michael actually just did a webinar for you where he um, talked about his book and talked about the Civil War. Can people still watch that?
6: They sure can. All you have to do is go to the link, which we'll provide in the show notes where you can watch it on demand. So you'll be able to see the slides and listen to the whole conversation, um, of Michael describing some of the aspects of life in the civil war. So you'll get, um, a good flavor for the kind of content that's in the book. And, um, clearly he's very passionate about that topic. So um, if you enjoyed the interview with him in this podcast episode, you should definitely go check out the webinar. It's much more in depth.
0: Absolutely. And that's what I love about the webinars. Even if it doesn't fit into your schedule, you can still watch that recorded on demand version right there from your computer. So that's perfect. We will have that link. And then, of course, this is just the beginning of this 150th anniversary, and you've got some things planned um, coming up in May and June of 2011. Tell us about that.
6: Well, sure. I think we guys talked a little bit earlier about the contest or um, sweepstakes that we're having throughout the month of April, where... By posting on our Facebook page or on our blog, you have a chance to win a copy of Michael's book, Life in Civil War America. But after that's over, we do have a contest planned, and that's going to be kind of a neat opportunity to showcase... The Civil War Connections of the families um, of Family Tree Magazine readers and listeners. So how it's going to work is we'll be collecting essays, short ones, um, from our readers and listeners throughout the month of May. Um, Look for details about that to be posted on our blog as the contest is rolled out. And... The essay should be about basically just what the Civil War meant to your family, and if you can provide some pictures of a Civil War ancestor, that would be great. Um, We'll pick a winner based on the quality of the essays, and there will be prizes involved. But what I think is going to be the most fun aspect of it, um, for us anyway, is we'll pick 12 winners to have their essays featured on the Genealogy Insider blog throughout the summer so that people will be able to see those stories and really um, help them engage with the celebration of the sesquicentennial.
0: Gosh, I am really looking forward to reading all those because, you know, it's so interesting. We look in the National Archives and we look at all the historic documents, but there is this whole other piece of Civil War history that resides right there in our own attics, in our own oral histories, And it's really going to be cool to see that kind of flesh out um, throughout the year and read more about how the Civil War touched the lives of, of so many of the readers of the magazine and just people all over who are interested in family history. I think that is a terrific idea. So we will have a link, of course, to the Genealogy Insider blog on the show notes page so that you can follow that. Just subscribe to it, you know, in a blog reader or in your iGoogle page so that you can follow along all summer long to read those really interesting stories. Wow. Okay. Well, you've got a lot to keep us busy in regards to our Civil War ancestors. Thank you so much, Allison.
6: Thank you, Lisa.
0: Thanks so much for joining me for this April 2011 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet again here next month. First, be sure and visit the Genealogy Insider blog for all the latest genealogy news on a daily basis. You'll find that at blogfamilytreemagazinecom insider. Next, head on over to FamilyTreeMagazine.com podcast to find the show notes for this episode. Those will include information and website links for everything that we covered on today's episode, including links to Shop Family Tree, where you can pick up the research resources that Allison told us about, that special Civil War kit available this month, and the link to the on-demand recording of the recent webinar with Michael Varhola. And then head on over to the Civil War Soldiers and Sailors System website. It's at itd.nps.gov cwss. And again, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. There you can learn more about the historic conflict and the men who served. If you have any questions or comments, please do email me at ftmpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I do hope that you'll visit me at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcasts, The Genealogy Gems Podcast, and Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. Both shows also are available through iTunes. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.